Let's be honest, folks. You're humming that tune every time you hear it. That's what G said. The soothing sounds of Joey Cleveland, my good buddy with that intro there. Love it. Love it. Such a catchy theme. Going to be a heavy episode of That's What G Said, horse racing, lots of Belmont. We're going to focus in on the Saturday Belmont card. We'll go through races 1 through 11. 11, Race 11 is the Belmont. So we'll hit all uh, 11 of those races, horse, horse by horse analysis. Just a quick little intro here. Before we get in, it is June the 6th. You're listening to That's What G Said. Stop for one second if you can. Head on over to iTunes. Make sure to subscribe to That's What G Said and leave a little five-star rating and a review if you can. It just takes you about a minute and it is a huge help for me. It gives me the opportunity to keep doing all these shows for free. Helps me out with uh, with sponsors and yeah, helps branching the show out, getting new people to see That's What G Said. Really to hear That's What G Said, but to see the links to click on to hear, see to hear. That's what G said. Earlier, it's like game three of the NBA Finals and Toronto wins on the road going to Golden State. I did not see this one coming. I thought Golden State would would take their home games. Even what we, we didn't see Clay Thompson. He did not play. We did not see Durant. Did not see Looney. And really, to be honest, we saw Steph show up with a great game. He had 47 points in their loss. He shot 14 from 31 from the field, and he made six three-pointers. He was six for 14 from three, but it was still not enough. DeMarcus Cousins, he was only one for seven in in 19 minutes after a really good game, too. Iggy, Iguodala, 11 points, six rebounds, three assists, not quite enough. Draymond had a good game. He had 17 and seven. Draymond's been very good, but without Clay, they just did not have enough scoring. Really didn't. I'm not sure if I agree with it, but at one point, Jeff Van Gundy on the broadcast said that he thought this team wouldn't, this current team that the Warriors fielded and put out on the floor probably wouldn't have made the Western Conference playoffs. I mean, you figure with Steph and Draymond, you still would have a pretty nice shot in the Iguodala. But yeah, I mean, maybe. The Raptors... They, this is the type of game they need. This is when they play well. We saw this in, in game one from them. When they get good contributions from Siakam and Gasol, get a little bit from Van Fleet. He's been really consistent. But today the key was was Danny Green. He had six threes. He had 18 points. Danny Green only had a total of four three-pointers all throughout the Eastern Conference Finals. As a team... The Raptors shot 52% from the field and 44% from three. They made 17 three-pointers. They were 17 for 38. Siakam had 18 points, nine rebounds, six assists. Gasol had 17, seven rebounds, and four assists. Lowry had 23 and nine. When you get that from, from those second, third, fourth players, options on the Raptors, then the 30 you're going to get from Kawhi is, you know, it's just icing on the cake. And they were really in control throughout the entire game tonight, really earlier this evening. On this day, quick little history for you. Back in 1816, we had Mount, couple, we had a couple eruptions that you're going to see. And this one was back in 1816, it was the first. 
couple volcanic volcanic eruptions. The first one was a uh, the the second one was a very big one. The first one, 1816, Mount Tambora in Indonesia. In 1892, the Chicago South Side Elevated Railroad opens up. Get the uh, a lot of this information I use from the website onthisday.com. Really cool. It gets you all the different history, film and TV, music, sports. You can go through, look through all different things. Birthdays, deaths, deaths weddings, highlights. Always get a, get all the, the on-this-day information from here. 1912 is another eruption. Nova Rupta in Alaska. Largest volcanic eruption of the 20th century. 1925, Walter Chrysler funds the automobile manufacturer... Walter Chrysler funds the automobile manufacturer Chrysler Corporation. 1944, D-Day. The Allied forces land in Normandy, France. You could have a whole podcast on on D-Day alone. 1971, the last broadcast of the Ed Sullivan Show. And we skip ahead to 1998. couple things. Victory Gallup wins the Belmont with Gary Stevens aboard. Sex in the City. The show premieres. Shout out to my buddy. Justin, the old man. No, he loves Sex in the City. And 2015, American Pharaoh. American Pharaoh wins the Belmont. First horse in 37 years to win the Triple Crown. American Pharaoh. On this day, prepping for the uh, the horse racing, best horse racing movies discussion, I have been watching... All the 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 thirty of as many of the thirty two as I, I could find, and was watching some of the top ones, which I've already seen, obviously a bunch of times. So I, I watched Secretariat and Let It Ride multiple times as I was handicapping and preparing and doing all the this work here for uh, for Belmont Saturday, and just again, you watch them back three, four, five times, and these shows are show these movies are just so good. Let it ride is excellent. Seabiscuit is just so well done. And makes you got a little little teary eyed, little tear jerking a couple times. Okay, let's get right into it. Right right to the uh Belmont. Saturday, June the eighth. Get your past performances out for the Saturday card. Let's get straight to race number one. And we'll begin with Mo Gotcha. His last start. He stretched out from six furlongs to a mile. He broke on top. He sat close. He was third from the outside. He loomed up. He was within a length at the top of the lane. He took a big shot at the leader before tiring. That leader was Majid, who is won three in a row for Zayat Stables. I got a feeling that Mogacha gets the trip in here. I think he could save some ground just behind a couple who show some early pace. Mogacha, the slight top selections based on price with some upside. The two shadow rider, he he's very consistent. He's he's in the money all the time. Twenty for thirty six was my next out winning Candy Graham, who won a, an optional sixty two at Belmont with a ninety seven buyer. I just you know you let's go through his last race. It was a slowish start from the rail. He was last to five. It was in the slop. He was five behind early. He waited patiently. He made a wide early move up to second. He was at the top of the lane, but Candy Graham was sitting chilly. This feels just like a tougher group. I, again, I have him in the fourth spot. So on the bottom of some of your exotics, how deep you want to go in the early pick five or, or to start maybe bottom of tries and, and and supers. Shadow Rider in the fourth spot. Seafoam. 
the three. He's interesting. This is a horse who I have uh, very. Sometimes I'll have the 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 most notes on horses that I'm I'm playing against, and I'm playing against Seafoam in here. He was off five and a half months from October to April, and he came back. He ran, and now he has two months off, a layoff after a layoff. It's just not usually a positive. Last out, he broke well. He settled mid-pack. He was three deep. He was four wide at the top of the lane. He tried hard, but he, he faded late. He has to prove it against open company, too. His best work has really all been against New York breads. He lost to a horse named Expert next out, who's really sharp right now, who uh, won an optional 62 next out, and then was second against optional $100,000, uh, optional claiming 100000 next out after that. So a couple productive races for Expert. And... The ninth place finisher from that last start, Arthur's Hope, won an allowance at Park with a uh, Parks with a hundred buyer speed figure. Need to see more against Open Company. Ventus, he was towards the back of the middle. He moved his way up to the outside gradually. He tried, but he the rally was, but. <laughs> I can't even read my own notes sometimes. It's like the rally. But the winner of the race was Rally Cap, and Rally Cap had already snuck away. So he, he was an okay second when he was six, length, six and three quarters lengths beaten. Now he steps up in class. Now he faces open company, and he goes the farthest he's ever been. So I, it just feels like he's overmatched, stepping up from 40 claimers to this spot. Principled feels like the one to beat. He... He is lacking a little bit of experience when, you know, you compare him to a horse like Potomac right next door, but Principled, his debut was fine. He was third. It was back in August at Saratoga. So he made, you know, start coming off of a layoff from August to May and he flashed some speed from the outside. He sat just off. He was pressing. He was within a length. He moved the lead at the top of the stretch. He put away the speed and he held off a late challenge. He was getting tired, but he had every right to. He was off the bench. He was right up on a quick pace, involved early on. Still a nice win. I think there's some upside here. So to me, it looks like the one and the five have the upside. I'll take shots against them, uh, uh, with them against Potomac, who's looking for his third in a row. And he's a six time winner stepping up from 50 claimers. You look back on. Um, March the 30th, the 8th place finisher dropped in for 25-1. and one. And he, he, he had a slow start. He won a little stakes race. He was last of nine early. He was inside. He was 5-6 off. And he stayed inside. He moved up into the tooth path. He looked like he was done before the top of the lane. But he found a second gear. He re-rallied and he wore down Hall Anchor. Hall Anchor won a first level allowance next out by 7 and 3 quarters lengths. He earned a 100 buyer speed figure when doing so. It was just a field of four, though, that Hall Anchor defeated. Then Potomac won uh, that 50 claimer at Belmont. I have him third. Slightly against him on some spots, just in, in that I have the one in the, the five with the with some upside. I think the one is probably the one to, to bet if you can get over like seven to two or so. So one, five, six, two in the order, in that order in Race number one, one five six two. What I will say is that the early wagers will play a, a pick five at Belmont early on. They look like they could be really chalky, so just be careful if you're playing. You know anything early on? You don't want. I wouldn't recommend playing five by five by five by five or four by anything like that. I'd recommend. 
you're gonna if you want to play with a certain bankroll, play a smaller ticket and play that multiple times. It just looks like that's the best approach in the early races because it could very easily be all favorites, and, and that happens sometimes on these big days because the best horses in, in in these higher class races generally show up and run well. And there aren't some of these races are small. The later part of the card seems like the more wide open better races to find a little bit more uh, a little bit more value or to find a price. So, race 1 of Belmont Park 1562. Let's go to race number 2. Belmont. This one is Maiden Special Weight going a mile and a quarter. You don't see a lot of Maiden Special Weights going a mile and a quarter to a little bit farther than normal. Start from the inside with the one overbold he, you can start in his four races in his career. He has a couple legitimate excuses for the two poor performances. You go back to his December 30th career debut and just put a line right through it. He had a tough start. He was behind a solid next out winner. Next out maiden special weight winner. Just the debut. Comes back and runs well behind Clint, Ramo- uh, Clint Maroon, who won three in a row, and that's a stakes winner. You see social paranoia in the past performance running line. That one is multiple graded stakes placed. So, tough debut when he hops at the start. Excuse. Comes back, runs pretty well on February the 6th, and is a fine third after flashing a little speed. Then on March the 30th, comes back. He's on the inside. He's jumped been a bit early on um he's close though he's in the three four five fifth spot he's just two off but he's in tight he's always wanting to go but he got steady he got bumped around he did have a legitimate trouble comes back after the, the trouble shows speed led the way early hung around for third not bad value proposition who won that race tried grade three company next out i think he fits in here obviously as a contender I don't love him on on top. I haven't picked third over bold in the third spot. The two better tapper it. The Barn Asmussen is 10 for 96 with first time starters on the turf. So that's 10%. With a dollar with a 158 ROI. With um with firsters going long on the grass, they are five for their last 31, 16% with a 265 ROI. ROI. They have a lot of good prices too going long on the grass. It seems like I don't think people expect Asmussen to be able to win going long on the grass first out. They only had, out of those 31, only four of those horses were under 2 to 1. Many good prices. They've won at 19 to 1, over 5 to 1, and just under 7 to 1. But all that being said, this is a mile and a quarter first time out. That's going to be pretty tough. So I, I just. I think it's probably a little bit too much to ask for better tap it first time out. The damn one on the grass at Dundalk. This is the first full to race. Let's go to Creative Genius. The three. Didn't have to deal with Compounded today, who has outfinished him in both of his starts. He's going to try the grass for the first time. The damn one on the grass. The lone sib never tried the grass. Most recently, he stretched out from six furlongs to a mile. He saved ground on the inside. He was fourth at the rail. He was two, three off. He moved up. But he could only get within about a length before compound it kicked away. Trying the green for the first time. The four looks like the one to beat in here. No man's land. I just don't want to take too short of a price on him. He's obviously got a major experience edge in that 
He's been a mile and a quarter his last three times. He's been a mile and a half also. And you just don't see many others in here with the opportunity with or with the experience having gone that long. And you, you just don't see many horses get the chance to go that long still as a maiden over and over again. So what I like is that he hasn't been a beaten favorite over and over again. When you look at horses sometimes that finish second and third multiple times, you see that they, they've burned a lot of money. But what that tells me is that No Man's Land is at least coming out of some decent races, races where he wasn't supposed to win those races and it wasn't really disappointing that he didn't win those races. He's going to go second start off a six and a half month break. Let's go back to May the 9th. He broke well, but so did three others. They all wanted the lead. He took back to fourth and he ended up, you know, about seven off early on. He loomed up three wide with a big early move. He took the lead. He had a two length lead in early stretch and you know, he faded. He just got really tired off the bench. The price, you know, is everything with him. He's just an obvious contender with experience at the distance. He should improve off the bench, but I don't want to put him on top at what eight to five. He's going to be hard to keep out of the exotics, but I could see him running really good second or third in here. And I think there might be a horse or two with a little more upside. If you're looking for a win wager, I don't think you want to leave no man's land out of the pick fives though. Just from a not, um, if you're, if you're betting this race individually, you you maybe try to get a horse on top of him in the exotics if you're you know if you're playing the the pick fives pick threes any any kind of rolling exotics I know pick four also starts in race number two you, you probably don't want to leave him out. Let's go to C Mast. There's the five in here. His last start, he sat close. He was third. He angled out three deep of four. He got. He got bumped around a bit. He looked done, but he came on again. It was solid, but he does face much tougher today. He was second at 59 to 1. The winner was 37 to 1. They were the two longest shots in a nine horse field. And that was a, a nice exacta completed there with a 59 to 1 shot and a 37 to 1 shot. Seamast back on January the 9th. It was a softer race, but there were four next out winners. In that race, so at least it was a productive, softer race. A little against it in here, just because it feels like he's just in a little tough. Tulaga Bay, the six, comes out of the same race that C Mast comes out of, and he now adds the blinkers. He broke out a bit, but he was up to battle for the lead. He really did try hard. He had the lead and was right in the mix, about a furlong from home. And I would not be shocked to see him, you know, showing some speed in here. We'll see how far he can go, but he's on the improve for sure. To be honest, I I would actually prefer him over Seamast coming out of the same race if you're looking for like maybe an underneath price horse to complete some of the exotics. Tough to really get to Azendine. Has been beaten repeatedly against claimers. Likely just forwardly placed in here. My top pick and someone who I think could be a nice price at maybe around 8 to 1 or so is the 8, the Mormon Mauler. Mormon Mauler was out of the May uh, May 19th race at Monmouth. Was not in the same race though with uh, with Tolaga Bay and with Seamast and with Ironwood. The Mormon Mauler was 3 deep for almost the half mile. Got up to 
second, was just off, got to within a length at the top of the lane before tiring. I thought that was a good effort. Plenty of room to improve off that. So let's put the, the Mormon Mauler slightly on top in here. And to close things out, it's Uncle Artie. You know, he broke well. He was a little green. He ended up mid-pack, two deep, three off. He was okay. He just missed second. He was in the the same race as the Mormon Mauler, but I like the Mormon Mauler better out of there. I just feel like there's a little more upside with Mormon Mauler. That was just his career debut. Never easy to go long in the debut. That's the concern with the Mormon Mauler going a mile and a quarter. Maybe he doesn't have quite enough foundation to go the mile and a quarter yet, and that's... That's why it's really tough to leave No Man's Land out of your exotics, but we'll put the 8 on top of the 4 on top of the 1. Overbold has a big shot in here also, so 8-4-1, Mormon Mauler, Win Wager, and around 8-1 to one or so. Third race, the Easy Goer, starting with Still Dreaming from the inside, Half-Brother to Nyquist. The one-turn mile and 16th should fit him nicely. Last out, he was bumped a bit at the start. He was 7th and 8th on the inside. He was 8 off. He closed well behind horses. He was a length out of a 4th when he finished 6th. This isn't a bad spot for him, but the top two, he's going to have to deal with always mining again, obviously, who easily handled him. And I, I feel like Outshine, like a top performance from Outshine would be really tough to beat. And then you have a horse like Majid, who has won three in a row and who might have a tactical advantage, he could get the lead in here and, and depending on what the Always Mining chooses to do. So I'm just uh, against still dreaming in this spot. Dreammaker's a wild card, right? He's always a wild card. At least you're going to get a price on Dreammaker. You don't generally like him when he's a short price because he, he seems like he gets himself into a lot of trouble. Slow starts, bumped around... He ran really well last out. He broke out. He bumped. He got bumped hard at the start. He was dead last early. He was, I don't know, 12, maybe 15 off early, like double digits, plus 10. Full of run, widest of all, angled out 6-7 deep. He was a really solid third. And it's really tough to trust him, though, because he can't take a short price on him because those big efforts I think 5 to 1, 6 to 1 makes sense so he's a good horse to use in some of your exotics, I haven't picked 4th in this spot Grumpy Little Tots 3 his talent I wouldn't be completely shocked if he ran well, it wouldn't be crazy you look back through his career at his debut, he was behind grade 1 winner, multiple graded stakes winner, mind control and uh, next out main special weight winner, Vigorous. He's behind another next out winner in career start number two. There were actually four next out winners in that September 29th race. Didn't run poorly in really any of his first four starts. And then he tried the grade uh, two wood memorial. And he got squeezed back at the start. He was double digit lengths out of it. And he just never really got into it. He never had a shot. I just don't like his his work pattern. It's very weird how he's coming into the race, right? So he raced in February. He won a maiden special weight. We saw him race. Uh, we saw him train leading up to the, the Wood Memorial throughout uh, March, March 8th, March 18th, April 1st. Then he ran on April the 6th. Then he didn't work until May the 7th. So he worked a month later. And then he didn't work again between May the 7th and June the 2nd. Came back and worked on June the 2nd, just five furlongs. I'm not I'm not, a, not a big fan of that. This is not an easy spot. Not 
in that the top two with their you know with their a game are very good. And let's get to Outshine, who I think is the horse to beat in here. It's funny looking back on Outshine, I was super disappointed in the Tampa Bay Derby because I bet him on March the 9th, and he got a perfect trip. I really thought he was the one to beat. He looked like he should have won. He was third behind two battling. He loomed up. Tacitus got the inside. And now you look back, and Tacitus is just a better horse now than I thought he was when he won the Tampa Bay Derby because Tacitus comes back and he wins the Wood Memorial. Then he runs well with some trouble in the Derby, and he's going to likely be the favorite or at least one of the top two betting choices in the Belmont. But at the time, really disappointing because I felt like Outshine should have won that race. It's funny how just a couple months and a little bit of hindsight maybe makes you change your perspective on a horse or a race based on how those horses do after. Always have to make sure you go back and don't be stubborn if you know you thought differently and, and wasn't a bad effort from Outshine that day. In the Wood Memorial, he just broke poorly. He got bumped. He bobbled. He looked like... He recovered, and he was about to tuck in mid-pack, and then he had some issues in that race. He was one of the horses that Jovia kind of impacted going into that first turn, and it pushed him widest of all into the turn. He just never had a shot. Now he gets the cutback. Look back through some of his earlier races, too. He came out of a June 8th race. He was one of five next-out winners. He's been good. And he had a legitimate excuse last time out. I think he's the horse to beat in here. The cutback helps him. He has uh, put a line through that race. He has more, a lot more tactical speed. He can sit a lot closer than he did last time out. And have, have a little more punch with this one turn mile in a 16. Majid, let's go back to his last couple races. Actually, you can go all the way back to September the 22nd. He was out of a decent race where Mr. Money was third. And Owendale was fourth. So a couple of greatest stakes winners were in there. Um, March the 24th. Now he's he's put together three consecutive wins. He dropped in for a, a maiden claiming tag and he won on January the 27th. Then March the 24th. Oh yeah, my birthday. Shout. Broke in a bit. He got up to lead by a length. He was asked for a run multiple times and he responded each time. And on May the 10th, he got to the lead from the inside without being asked. He had two challenges at the top of the lane. Dealt with both of them. Looking for his fourth consecutive victory now for Zayat Stables. Legitimating here in that the key to the race is what's always mining going to do. You can excuse his last start, right? He's in the Preakness. Slight bump, but a good start. He wanted to be in the mix early, but he took back to fourth on the outside behind three battling up front. He was getting a good trip. But the, the rail was the place to be at Pimlico that day, so maybe it's not a good trip. But, you know, on paper, he's getting a trip behind horses, but he's just at the outside. He got up to third within a couple lengths to challenge before the top of the lane, and he faded. And I'm willing to just excuse the race for him, put a line through it. Is he going to go, or is he going to sit from his outside draw? If he lets Majid get away, I think that's a, an opportunity for Majid to at least hit the board. And spice some things up. So I have four, five, six, two. As always, mining looks, you know, very classy. But Outshine to me looks like the one to beat. So we'll put Outshine on top of Majid, as Majid might be able to to sneak away with always mining going to be tough. 
and the two rounding things out, Dream Maker. And the wild card is you never, never know what you're going to get with Dream Maker. And keep an eye on him. He's one of those horses that if he floats up and he's above six, you know, if he's up at eight or 10 to one, definitely start including him in more of your exotics. It's always one thing. You know, unless it's like a first, a bunch of first-time starters or maiden special weight races or these like real buzz horses, I don't worry if a horse I like is not getting bet if they float up. That's, you know, that's a positive, I always think. I want to go play them. Let's get to... I've got to give a shout, if as we can, to Easy Goer. Easy Goer, the, uh, the stakes in the third, named after Easy Goer. 14 for 20, 4.8 million for Shug McGahee and Phipps. Five seconds in a third. He was never worse than third. He was a 10-time graded stakes winner and eight wins at Belmont Park, including the Belmont. He won the Champagne, the Wood, the Belmont, the Whitney, the Travers, the Wood, Woodward, the Jockey Club Gold Club, and was second in the Derby, the Preakness, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and the Breeders' Cup Classic. How about a horse who was in some big races, huh? And who had some success at Belmont Park. Race number four, just a game. Grade one, just a game. This one is named for just a game, 14 for 28. Won the New York in an allowance race at Belmont Park. And the second in, you know, in the Flower Bowl was second in the Manhattan. Five of these exit the grade two distaff mile. You also have three that exit the Jenny Wiley. So a lot of common foes. This is generally the case in, in, in these turf marathons. This is the grade one just a game going a mile on the turf for fillies and mares, four-year-olds and up. Started with Daddy's a legend. He's coming into this race, I think, set up very well. He will go second start off a five-month break. He should be ready to step forward. He'll save all the ground from the inside. Most recent start. May the 4th, he broke well, but he was in some traffic right away. He ended up third from the back. He always was traveling well, though, and he had to kind of bump, maneuver his way through the field. It was very eventful. He just missed second. It was a solid effort. He he looked like late. The horse who was the runner-up came out a bit on him and might have made things tight and probably cost her second, not him. Probably cost her second. Daddy is a legend. Saves all the ground. She comes rolling. But is there enough pace for her to chase in here? That's the key. On paper, I just don't know if it's going to set up well for an ho- for a horse coming from off the pace. The two, Bellevue, grade three winner. You know, Daddy's Legends, a multiple graded stakes winner. This is a good group. Bellevue's a grade three winner. Was away slowly. Was two from the back. Was two deep. Was up to six with about five off. Just really never had a shot chasing lone speed with that kind of a trip she was behind rushing fall she was also behind got stormy has to at least improve on them also on capla templis so just looks a little bit overmatched in this spot some recent rivals who have defeated her bo recalls in excellent form right now she's won three of her last four the only race that she lost out of that four group a section of four races was to mitchell road who is speedy and has won four in a row and just won the grade three Gallaret. Bo Recall was good back in 2017. Right when she came to the U.S., she won her U.S. debut. She had three state runner-ups and stakes races, a couple graded. She's a grade two winner, grade one placed. But then she didn't hit the board in her last six starts for Simon Callahan out in the West Coast. So she changed Barnes, and that really has 
improved her. She has seemed like a different animal now. She wins the grade two distaff turf mile last out. She was taken back to last on the inside. She was 10th. She was 12 off. She was last at the top of the lane. She swung out five wide and she was two from being widest of all. She storms down the center for the win, beats four of today's rivals. It's a really good effort from Bo Recall. But the way the race is going to shape up on paper, this is a tougher spot, and I don't think she's going to get the kind of setup she will need to come rallying late because of rushing fall. It's the four who, she's seven for eight. Her only loss, she was defeated by a neck. She made her first start of 2019. She hadn't raced since October. She won. She broke well. She got the lead. She cleared off. When when she's able to go like 48 and 2, the race is over. That was her first start in six months. She should be even better today. There's no other speed in here. She's making just her second start of the year now and making just her second start at four. So she's continuing to grow up. She's she's shown speed in her last few, but if somebody for some reason does go to lead, she obviously doesn't need the lead. She just feels like no doubt the one to beat in here at a very, very short price and, and like likely a horse to single in some of your early exotics. If you want to go a little deeper, you know, a couple others that you may be able to use at a, at a price. The five is Kapla Tempris, grade three winner, expecting a different trip and a lot of improvement, but is that going to be enough to win this race? She broke well last out. She was third into the turn. She was three off. She was saving ground. She made an early move up the rail to take the lead. She had a length advantage early in the stretch. The leader early on was well off the rail. It was wide open in front of her. So she just took advantage. She's better with a late rally. It's hard not to take advantage of the rail and the lead when it's wide open and right in front of you. And she just might have been a little fresh in her first start since December. So she could step forward. But is that step forward even enough to compete with the top ones in here? You'll probably get a bounce back effort from Environs, who... I won't be using after using on top last time. So that likely means environs will come back and, and bite me this time. Her US debut was very, very impressive. Last out, it was a slow start. She was ninth, tenth early on. It was the two path. She was right next to Bo Recall. She started the move early. She went to the inside. She tried to follow Daddy as a legend, but she just wasn't moving as well. She's not bad. She just needed to improve off the three who outfinished her. She was fourth that day. It wasn't like she was dead last. If she's, you know, between 6 and 10 to 1, that's probably a fair price. Probably where she should be off of that effort because we still don't know where she really fits on the class level yet. Got Stormy, rounds out the field. She might be right behind Rushing Fall early on. There's really not much other speed or pressing types in here, and she could work out a really good trip. Last out, she was second behind Bo Recall, but she was fifth, kind of fifth, sixth, seventh in that grouping early. Uh... She was fifth. She was six or seven off. Again, not being able to read some of my uh, my own writing. And the two path. She got a great split in the stretch when she angles out. Three path, dead aim. She opens up two. She couldn't hold off Bo Recall. Did look like she came out a little bit late on Daddy is a Legend. So she may have been third best that day. But she could get a great trip in here. And the mile is a very, very nice trip for her. It's, you can see with her record at the distance, she just loves this trip. I four seven one in that order with the four, the the heavy chalk rushing fall, 
on top of the seven, got Stormy on top of the one, Daddy is a legend. Fifth race, the grade one, Ogden Phipps. And Midnight Bisu is in here, and she's going to have a tough task with a nice mare from the inside named Come Dancing, who has won two in a row. Just missed winning three in a row when she was right behind Marley's Freedom. And if you look at some of her defeats earlier on in her career, she lost to Divine Miss Gray, who is a grade two winner, a 12-time winner, and has earned 934000 Lost to Wow Cat, who was second in the Breeders' Cup Distaff. Marley's Freedom, grade one winner, four-time graded stakes winner, eight for 17, $1.1 million in earnings. Let's go back through Come Dancing's last couple races, though. April the 5th, breaks on top, has a length lead within about 50 yards, always up three quarters of a length, just crushes, wins by seven plus. And then on May the 5th, slow start, last of five in the slop, quickly up to second, was pressing in the two path, was just a length off, moved the lead very easily, three length lead in early stretch and just poured it on, wins by six. Can she sneak away from Escape Claws? Who looks like she has the best opportunity to at least press this this mare. If she gets a, a couple length lead, she could be very, very tough for Midnight Bisu to run down. Midnight Bisu's quality, and Midnight Bisu doesn't have to be like 10 or 15 lengths out of it either. You can see she can be within three or four lengths. Come dancing, looking for a, a third in a row, and this is a, a big grade one opportunity for her. Can she sneak away from the inside? Let's go to Midnight Bisu, who is... Perfect three for three on the year. Trying to make it four for four. Right now, she is the best in the distaff division so far with the, the grade one win and the multiple graded stakes wins. If you start back in at Sam Houston, she did not look like she was going to win in, in, in January. She just gets up. And that race has actually come back a, a little bit better as Heaven Has My Nikki won a grade three and has won a couple in a row since that race. Then in the Azari... She is not favored over Elate. She's fourth or fifth early on, but she's saving all the ground at the rail. Settles just two, three lengths off. Tucks in. Gets shuffled back a bit. Had to wait for a spot. Ducks in. Gets the win. Soon as the hole opens up, ducks inside. Gets the W. She's super, super versatile. And then most recently, last out. She's taken back early. She's... 7-8 off She works up to 5th, 6 She's in the 2 path She's 4 off She's in the clear She moves the widest of all And she wins a battle With escape claws Now she's 3 for 3 on the year She defeated Elate a couple times Who's a multiple grade 1 winner And she herself is a multiple grade 1 winner Now looking for her 4th grade 1 win A perfect 7 for 7 at the mile And a 16th Very very nice filly right now has taken a big step forward at the age of four. Pacific Wind, next up, grade two winner. Broke nicely from the inside, tucked in third, was two lengths off, was a clear-cut second in the slot, but was six-plus behind come dancing. Will need a, a setup, and I just feel like she's not going to be the one to benefit most from the setup. I think she just is a, a, a cut below Midnight Bisu, but it's just a small field. Not a bad spot to try to get some grade one black type. Let's go to Escape Claws. What a cool mare this, this five-year-old mare is, right? The four. 
She has raced at Assiniboia, Century, Zia, Canterbury, Northlands, Del Mar, Santa Anita, Sunland, Oaklawn, and now Belmont Park. Probably wouldn't have expected last year, back in August, on August the 18th, when she's running in a match race at Assiniboia in a non-wagering event, that she would be a legit contender in a grade one at Belmont, a very prestigious grade one in that. She had eight straight victories. At lesser tracks and so they decided to Take a shot down in Southern California So she comes over to Del Mar And she gets She runs second but she gets put up and placed first Via disqualification in a stakes race And then she proves that she fits With graded stakes company On turf and the dirt In Southern California Last time out she Flashes speed, she settles in second She's three lengths off, she moves early She gets up to take the lead with Midnight Bisu Right on her heels she turned Bisu away early. At first, it looked like like she was done. Then it looked like Bisu was about to draw away. But then Escape Claws battles back. It was a really tough beat for anyone who had played Escape Claws. And we backed this mare. She just ran so great. She's very honest, very consistent. She deserves a, a long look in here. And I'm actually going to have... Escape clause picked really second because I'm just hoping that come dancing is just not quite as good as the as the top two. I think this is, will be a little tougher than she's had to face going the mile on the 16th, but she might have that pace advantage from the inside. So I just feel like Midnight Beast, who is the best in the vision, she's just going to be really tough in here. So I think she's probably. One of those chalky singles in some of the rolling exotics And you know if you want to go a, a little deeper You can go with the four escape clause So the way And th- then you have Moptism on the outside right And Moptism She's just honest She doesn't win a whole lot She's just 3 for 25 But She ran pretty well again when she was 4th last out She was 3 deep, she was mid-pack She angles out widest of all She always tries, she always keeps grinding She just missed 3rd, tossed her turf races And excuse the Delaware handicap And then her form looks a lot better She was 5th in the Breeders' Cup Distaff twice She just grinds She's picked up $800,000 Most recently she comes out of a good beholder Where she was behind Paradise Woods Who won a grade 2 and then was 2nd in a grade 2 Two four one in race number five. Two four one. So the way that I will play the early pick five in race number one, we'll play two different tickets. One two five six in the first, with one four eight in the second, with the four single of four in race number three, with one. Four seven in race number four. So yeah, race number three. Easy goer, single outshine. Race number four. You know, one four seven in this spot. This will be the one where we don't single rushing fall. So we'll go one four seven there, and then single midnight bisu on the end. The deuce, and we'll play another ticket. Where you go one five six in the opener with one four eight in race number two with two four five six in race number three. So you can spread out a little bit on that ticket in race number four. This is where you single, and you can single 
the four rushing fall. And then to close things out, you go one, two, four in case come dancing does sneak away or in case escape clause steps up, you could get some good value and rewarded there and on, on a cheap ticket with some of the early uh, races where you don't quite have to go as deep. Let's move on to race number six, about halfway home now. This is the Jiper, grade one, six furlong. So grade one like this for 400,000, you know you're going to get some really legit good turf sprinters. Let's kick things off with undrafted. Wes Welker owned and named undrafted. You know what he's going to do? He's going to take back, he's going to save ground, and he's going to come running. He had a pretty smooth start last time out. He was six of seven. He took back. He just had no shot chasing lone speed, the one to five favorite going 23 to the first quarter. He wasn't far to second when he rallied. It really wasn't a bad effort. I have him fourth in here and a horse who's going to come running underneath. Not a bad horse to play if you're looking for a price. And if he does, you know, sit around that 12 to 15 to one price, he always needs a quick pace to set up his rally. But his best races are at this six furlong trip. So he should come rolling. He's going to have to save ground from the rail, try to find a, a way through, angle around maybe. The two is really interesting in here. That is Om. Love the cutback for Om after trying a mile last time out. He had a good start. He was up to second. He was two off. He just could never, he was starting to loom up. He could just never get by. The 35 to 1 pace setter was nobody could. He had every shot, but he faded. There was very little difference between second and fifth. It was just about a neck. Now the cutback. Second off the bench. He hasn't raced. He hadn't raced from August to May, so he should have a lot more bottom now on the cutback, a, a lot more fitness. And he has run well sprinting. He was second going six and a half down the hill in the Breeders' Cup turf sprint at Santa Anita. I think he sits a good trip. So you, you have to figure one of the Miller horses is going to go in here. Can they go enough to push World of Trouble and make make it a you know a a tough, quick, early pace for a world of trouble. I don't know, but I figure one of them, they both have speed. One of them is probably going to go. Belvoir Bay might be a little bit cl- quicker. The three is dirty. Dirty. Great name, right? He has been defeated a couple times by world of trouble, but world of trouble has major pace advantages. Lots of the time. I mean, he's the heavy favorite. It's small fields. He's, you know, the one to catch. So dirty, Always will be a type of horse who needs the right setup in order to beat a horse like World of Trouble. But if Belvoir Bay, Wild Shot, maybe Yidu can press, then he gets a setup and can come running and pick up some pieces late. He broke out. He bumped a bit at the start. He settled at the back of the mid pack. He was still seventh, eighth, middle of the stretch. He stayed widest of all. And he got up and actually a pretty easy neck win. At Laurel on April the 20th. He defeated a horse named Completed Pass. Who won a stakes race at Pimlico next out. And then finished second at Penn National. And the ninth place finisher won an optional 50. Non-3. Next out. Jidu. He was very good early on. In his career. And he's kind of tailed off a bit late. But he's, he's I think he's had some legitimate excuses. It's going to be his first start in 5 plus months. But at his best. He would at least be pushing the pace. And be a price in here and a horse that can hang on, hang around underneath. He's not completely out of this. Look at some of the horses that he faced. Good turf sprinters, promises fulfilled, forensic fire. 
Most recently had a smooth start. It was close up second. He was in the two path. He didn't really handle the first turn all that well. Seems like he wanted to go. He moved to the lead mid-stretch before tiring. That was back in December. So this is another horse who should appreciate the cutback to six furlongs and might be on the engine coming off the bench. Should could be fresh and could be pushing world of trouble. Try to steal it from the outside. Diamond Ops is next. Diamond Ops, Diamond Ops is the five. Big price. Is only raced on the grass one time, so not an easy spot against some very experienced turf sprinters. It was a step slow from the rail. He was behind horses. He got shuffled back. He angled out, but he closed pretty well. He can improve, but can he improve enough in this spot to contend? He's going to go second time turf, second start as a four-year-old, second off the 10 and a half month layoff. So plenty of reasons to step forward, but will that still be enough to win this race? Maybe at the bottom of the exotics, right? I wouldn't talk you off third or fourth if you're looking for a, a nice big price that could maybe spice up your tries. Disco partner, what do you do with him? He loves Belmont Park. He didn't run well on paper last out, but I think it was a little bit better than it looks. He was 10th of 13 on the inside. He was 10 lengths off early. He did start to move well along the inside, but he he had to stop his momentum. And he had to wait when he was traveling best. Then he got really stopped again along the inside. It was better than it looked. He's a nine-time winner at Belmont. He's a six-time winner going this trip. He's back to his favorite track, back to his favorite distance. And he's the last year, he's the winner of this race last year off a similar prep. 301 is a little short, though. I don't want to take any shorter than that on him. Belvoir Bay. He's a millionaire. And he, she, I say she, and I do mean she. Yes, she is facing the boys. Let's go back to the Alcaz sprint. She broke fast. She was right to the lead. She was in the middle of the track. She was just second best. She was very good that day against the boys. So she's had experience against the boys. Last time out when she was second, it was a race that was taken off the turf. She hopped at the start. Then she had to rush in between horses. She ended up on the rail. Then angled around to the top of the lane. Briefly took the lead, but was just second best. Beating the boys before. What what tactics will they choose? Will she try and press or even get in front of World of Trouble? She is capable of being close to him early if, if they want to choose that route. Then you get to World of Trouble who... And he's just been really good, right? He is six for his last seven. And he was beaten a neck in defeat in that start. He's 11 for 12 in the money. And he was fourth in the other start where he didn't hit the board. Let's go to his last two races. He wins the grade one Carter on the dirt going seven furlongs. He's off the pace a little bit, actually. And Skyler's Scramjet floats him out to the four path. So World of Trouble is being floated way out. He has to come from off the pace a little bit more than really he ever had. He's in the four path. He comes around them and he draws off. He had to work for it. You know, the fourth place finisher from that race was Vino Rosso, who came out to win the grade one gold cup at Santa Anita next out. And the ninth place finisher won a first level allowance. So that's a good race, the Carter. And comes back in the turf sprint. Step slow, quickly up to the lead by a length. That's it. Game, set, match, it's over. Grade one winner on the dirt. Looking for a grade one turf win right here. He's a grade two winner on the turf. Nearly won the grade one Breeders' Cup turf sprint. 
legitimate top tier animal in here. Then to round things out, it is wild shot. Not an easy spot for first time grass, right? Grade three winner, grade one placed, multiple graded stakes placed, but all on the dirt. And that's all before August 2017. Not a ton of direct turf success in the pedigree. Just going to be watching him today. So sixth race, 286 in that order. Um, World of Trouble in the six. Disco Partner. So two, eight, six. We'll also play a trifecta here with the two and the eight on top of the one, two, six, and eight. Um might be worthy of a win wager if you can get around, you know, I think over six to one. That feels about right on Um. Two eight with the with the one, two, six, eight. And you know, maybe if you want to go even a little deeper, the five, I wouldn't talk you off including that that big price. Let's get to race number seven. This is the acorn. On paper, this really looks like there is a lot of speed in here. One turn mile, we start with the Kentucky Oaks winner, Serengeti Empress, who was asked for speed. She crossed over. She was going very fast, but she was doing it comfortably, and she held off a challenge from Leora in the stretch. A couple of the other fillies just didn't really show. She didn't get pressed that much. She, she was going quick, though, and she was just doing it on her own. Can she deal with pressure from Cookie Dough, Fancy Dress Party, maybe Guarana, and Cece? She gets the rail draw, and I don't know if that will be easy for her with a lot of pressure to her outside. I'm against Serengeti Empress in here. Will likely vie for favoritism. But the resume, the Kentucky Oaks win coming in. Grade one winner, multiple graded stakes winner. The two is Jeltrin, who was bumped at the start last out, was widest of all into the first turn, was three, four deep, was slightly outside, and she was really just never closer then within within seven lengths, slight movement up the outside. I needed to see a little bit more. She was good at, at Gulfstream Park prior to that, but she was 50 to 1 when she defeated Cookie Dough and Champagne Anyone. Need to see a little bit more. And there's Cookie Dough, the three, who was very fast, opened up a length right away and didn't really have to deal with any pressure in the Black Eyed Susan. Went 47 to the half. I don't think she'll be able to go that in here with a couple other quick ones. She was clear by a length, and she she just showed little resistance when the top two came running. Point of Honor and Eulalie. Point of Honor is nice, though. And Cookie Dough, I think, to just bring some pace in here. Javi jumps aboard. Bells the One is one of the prices that I really think is interesting. This race, to me, feels like a race that you have to go price because I'm against Serengeti Empress. The way the race shapes up, it's tough to, for me to love Guarana stretching out for the first time when all she's done is show speed. I, I'm I'm more likely to use her in the exotics than I am Serengeti Empress. Because I think Guarana is maybe just a monster, maybe just a very nice filly, and Sky could be the limit for her. We've only seen her once, and it was awesome. But but Bell's the one's one that I have slightly on top. Put a line through the Keeneland race, the Ashland. Brutally wide trip in a small field. She just had no shot, gave up a ton of ground. Four for four leading up to that. And then last out in the eight bells. Stepped slow, but she recovered well. Was the back of the middle group. Seven, eight off. Starts to move well. Splits horses. Ducks down to the rail. It's a really solid second. Had no chance getting the winner break even, who is four for four. But really good effort 
from Bell's the one, even at 10 to 1, she makes sense. And not 20. Her from just a numbers and figures standpoint, Serengeti Empress doesn't you know, doesn't have big big ones. Doesn't have big ones. Doesn't have big figs. Guarana is lightly raced, but with that big figure and even CC, they'll take some money. But that's you know they step up. You don't know if the, if they'll be able to continue that progression against a little bit tougher. But you know maybe how tough is this group or how tough is the division of, of three to three year old fillies with the four bells the one. That's why I put some of the prices on top in here. I don't think this is really a group of of that that many monsters. Don't think maybe we do have Guarana. The five is fancy dress party who is four for four and undefeated. Like how. Do you, I mean, knock him, but I'm going to. In January the 5th, he was right up on the lead. He's in the two-path. He's battling. He puts that rival away early. He opens up. He, She, all of that she, wins nicely. Last out, she breaks well. She's right on the lead. She opens up a length in the slop. Grade 3 winner now. Proven in the slop. She feels like she's going to be in the mix early on, right? She's going to be pushing that pace. And now she has to go farther than she's ever been. She's never been past seven furlongs. Got a little weary going seven furlongs. Now has to go a mile. Proud Emma. Here's another one of the bombs that I like in here. And I think you use Proud Emma in all of your exotics with Bell's the one. Go throughout her career and she has no legit excuses. She lost to Kofivi early on. Very nice filly. Comes back, wins when she drops in for a maiden claiming tag. Wins next time out. She's second at Santa Anita. Going a mile in a 16th in the slop. So she's run well in the slop if need be. Back again at seven furlongs. So between the mile, mile and a 16, seven furlongs race, this is her wheelhouse. Mile and eighth was a little too far on April the 6th. She broke well and she's hooked four wide. Maybe it wasn't too far. Maybe she's just wide. She's four wide into the turn. She's three wide. She gets up to within about a half length, but she couldn't go with the top view, but she did keep trying. Now adds the blinkers. Maybe she doesn't have to be so far back. Proud Emma. And a big price. And if she's 20 to 1, then she's the win wager. It depends on, you know, between the four or the six. Then you have Guarano, who I think you have to use in the exotics because she's such an X factor. Her career debut was excellent. It was a good start. She was up to battle for the lead. She drew um, off about a half length. And she really just... Put them all away for a massive victory. She was heavy chalk that day. That was at Keeneland. That was in the slop. So it, it was in the slop. Take that for what you will. She could be very, very tough in here. And Brown goes right into to try grade one company. Queen of Bees. She's in that grouping of price horses that I like. So four, let's let's hook up the four Bells the One, the six Proud Emma, the eight Queen of Bees with the seven. Guarana. So let's play those three and we'll try to hook them up in some of the exotics. Let's play a trifecta 468 with 14678. 468 with 14678. The price is on top. And then maybe you go backwards, you put the seven on top, or you even want to box them with those prices with the seven. To round things out, it's CC, the number nine. It's really tough to knock CC. Her two race, she could she should be two for two. She was out here in Southern California. Those races were, were both sprinting, though. Now she has to go a mile. She did beat three next out winners on April the 12th. A couple maiden special weights and then a maiden claiming winner. May the 11th, she lost to a horse named Lady Ninja, who is a five-year-old mare who has a lot more experience. Multiple winner. She was a step slow. She was up to lead. 
by about a half length, three quarters of a length over Lady Ninja throughout, but just couldn't hold off that one. Four, six, seven, eight. Four, six, seven, eight. The way I have the seventh at Belmont, four, six, and eight, the price horses. And we'll try to hook them up with the seven, Guarana, who will likely be very tough. There's a start of a pick five in the seventh, but I think it's only one of those four NYRA bets members only. But you're hearing how I'm playing these races. I'll I'll give you the way I'll approach a pick four in race number eight because I'm not sure if it's just one of those NYRA bets pick fives or not. Let's get to that eighth race. The grade one, Woody Stevens. This race was my favorite race to handicap over the weekend. You can make so many cases. The seventh and eighth I really liked, but you can make just cases for everyone in here. Let's try to do that. We'll give you some positives and negatives for all of them. Kick things off with Honest Mischief, who in his debut, he was a step slow. He angled off the rail. He moves up three wide at the top of the lane. He looked like he was going to win easy, but he, honestly, I thought he stopped, Ortiz stopped riding him. And Soldado blew by him. It was at the top of the lane. He was kind of already like gearing his horse down. And he didn't realize that Soldado's making this big middle move. And then Honest Mischief tries to come back again. And they're battling. But it was just, he, he kind of stopped his momentum. Comes back on April in April at Keeneland. Beats a couple next out winners. He's about three lengths off. He's in sixth. Makes a big three wide move. Then uh, a big four wide move. And a really big sustained rally. He beat a next out winner. Mm. He's... One of very many contenders I haven't picked second in here The two is much better Who Takes the blinkers off now I, Let's go back to his few race, last few races Loved his Gotham Battled all the way going a mile Just got tired late but he was going So quick and he, he was trying So hard April the 6th He got to the lead from the rail He had a length advantage He tried really hard but he was just second best to mind control you will also see in here in just a few spots. Last out, he really just couldn't ever get in front. It was in the slop. He was a heavy chalk. I guess you could put a line through it. Mike Smith jumps on. The blinker's off. I, I don't love him in here. I, he wouldn't be a surprise, one of many, but you know, at five or six to one, that's not a bad price. You just don't want to take a short price on him. Borracho helped us out on May the 4th. Like this one that day. And he beat a nice horse named Hidden Scroll. Who would be a contender in here no matter what. He's really on the improve, Baracho. Beat two next out winners. Last out, Lexitonian, who is in this spot. And Milton Town, who won a 50 non-two claimer next out. Baracho was traveling really well mid-pack. He was six off. He was saving ground. He got a nice opening in between horses. And it was a good victory. Stepping forward. Next up is Complexity. He was... Your strong second choice in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. And he has speed. He just, we know he never really wanted to go long, right? This is this is where he was probably going to end up all along. The connection said at the end of, at the year, they were not going to even you know, try to get this horse into the Derby. Had the lead in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He broke in a bit, but he got the lead. He crossed over. There were three next out winners. Signalman won the Kentucky Jockey Club. Gunmetal Gray won the uh, the Sham. And Mind Control won the Jerome. He's a major player. 
You know, he's he fits well in here. I think I have him fourth. The price with him is key. You know, four or five to one is probably where most in this race should be. Landis Skog is really quick. The good start from the inside. He immediately opened up a length early in the stretch. He had a five length lead. He just got tired. You know, he's he's a clear cut second behind Nitrous, who we'll see right next door. Nitrous is the six. Let's go back to his last two starts. March the 23rd. Got to the inside, but he was in tight. He had to take back. He didn't seem to really like it down on the inside, but he was trying hard throughout tight quarters. It was just real tough for him down there. May the 27th, or April the 27th, 427. Sixth, he's seven lengths off. He's buying a very fast pace, saves ground. He angles out four deep, and he starts to roll right on by winning the Bachelor. You look through, you know, I have Nitrous picked, I think like fifth or sixth in here, but just... Can't talk you off so many. Such a fun race to handicap. Strike Silver. He debuted a winner. First three starts, a neck away from being undefeated. He has legitimate trouble a couple times. He's behind a very nice horse named Bulletin. Last time out, he couldn't get out from the inside. Until it was too late And his run by dull, his run was dulled at that point It was not bad at all He's due for a trip He's run well sprinting on the dirt Sprinting on the grass And he's a big price who I will use underneath But the big price who I'm going to use on top Is right next door Hog Creek Hustle Who should be 10 to 1 and not 20 to 1 So if he's, if he's anything over 10 to 1 Awesome Under it, 10 to 1 I don't want him He should be 10 to 1 Legitimate trouble over and over and over again That's what happens when you're a horse like this Who's a stone cold closer But I think on the turn back He's just going to have the ability to really fly late He Last out in the Pathé Mile He's about fat five lengths off early on So he's not as far back as he had been normally He's Traveling well He's waiting behind horses He was asked for run And he moved in between horses He Waited Moved again He moved up to second About a a length off or so And he looked like He was going to win He was a strong clear cut second He ends up being you know five lengths back As Mr. Money opens up But he's making a move Looking like he's going to go by He just flattens out a little bit But not really flat Because he was you know a clear second I think he comes rolling because it looks like there's a lot of speed in here, right? And you just, a big field, you expect there to be a lot of speed. Much better has speed. Honest Mischief. The only reason why I don't have him on top is because of the rail, and he might be forced from the inside. Complexity has speed. He's going to be fresh. Landis Gog has speed. He's going to be flashing the speed. Mind Control won't be too far out of it. So, you know, you're expecting combinations of all of them to be flashing speed. Mind Control will be one of the favorites in here, and he deserves to be. He is a grade one winner, multiple graded stakes winner. He just doesn't really show up with bad races. Toss the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. You can you make an easy excuse for him in there. On January the 1st, he's breaking right on top without being asked. He's always up to within about a neck. He's he was just or he was right on top and he was always up by about a neck or so. He was kind of just playing with that group. He was better than them. You go to March the 9th. He's, you know, seven, eight lengths off. He's saving ground. He's always in a nice stride. And he got a really great opening on the inside. 
he moved. He might not have seen High Call, who on the mind controls on the inside. He, there are two horses on the outside of him, and then High Call is flying down the outside. I think Mind Control might not have seen him when he was second in the Gotham. Then in the Bay Shore, breaks on top. So it's a close up third in just the field of four. He's three deep. He was never farther than a length out of it. He went by much better. He did have to work to get by much better, though. Wasn't easy. But he's gotten the better of much better. Gotten the better of much better a couple times. 15 to 1 on the morning line on Lexitonian, who won the Chick Lang grade three last out. He broke out. He bumped a bit. It was a solid start, though. He ended up just three lengths off. He was tucked inside in the second flight. He angled out. He just got up in between horses. I'm going to make him prove it because he rode that golden rail on the undercard on, on Preakness Day. And I just need to see him in a really tough full field like this. I think the same can really be said for how I feel about Wendell Fogg. Wendell Fong. On May the 12th, he settled fourth. He was too deep. He was three off. He was chasing much better. Call Paul. Going sub-22. He had to work hard, but he got by Paul. Paul was really impressive in debut. When I watched that race, I thought it was more impressive from Paul than what I thought from from Wendell Fong, who I, is another. I'm just going to have to make him prove it, especially from way out wide against a, a tough group who I, I just like more. So the way I'm going to rank this group in order, 8, 1, 9, 4, 7, 6, 3, 2. And if I don't have the winner, I will not be surprised. I mean, it's that kind of a race. So at the eight, when it's that kind of a race, you always got to put a, a price on top. You got to use the price to win. Eight, one, nine, four as the top four. And in this race, we'll play a try with the one and the eight. So we'll use those two horses we like on top of one, four, seven, eight, nine. And anything to win on Hog Creek Hustle at, at 10 to one or over. Race number nine. This is the Met, and wow, is this an awesome race. This is probably the best race just from a quality standpoint on the card from some of the best horses in training right now are all in here. You have Cole Front from the inside, breaks right with the leaders, takes back just off in the forepath in the clear, has to run down Heavy Metal, who has like a four-length lead in mid-stretch. It was a determined winner from Cole Front in the Godolphin Mile, Group 2. This is a five-time group stakes winner. You have six millionaires in here, and then you have Matoli, who's their 992,000. So basically seven millionaires out of nine. I just don't think Cole Front is quite on the level of you know, the, the horse right to his outside. McKinsey. He's become one of the best older horses in training in his last few starts. And this is really the perfect distance for him. Because the, the only real knock on McKinsey is that maybe a mile and an eighth and a mile and a quarter is just a little farther than he wants. Came up a little bit short. Two really good races when he was behind Battle of Midway and then behind Giftbox. Giftbox came back to finish second in the Gold Cup to Vino Rosso. The fourth place finisher from that race came back to win a grade three next out. He was in the Ali Sheba, McKinsey was, last we saw him. He took a few... Steps to get going from the rail, but he was, you know, in a pretty good spot in the lead for the first three furlongs, pushing the pace. And he drops back to third on the inside 
kind of a weird race, right? He's on the lead early. Generally, when you have a horse like that, he just kind of keeps going. Then he takes back, and then he gets an opening. He angles out and around, and he crushes. He wins by four plus. He should fit perfectly at this trip. Talking about the credentials of horses in this race, he's a three-time grade one winner and a six-time graded stakes winner. How about the grade one winner, multiple graded stakes winner, who has won six in a row, Matoli. Last out. I keep knocking Matoli, and I'm I'm going to play against him again. And man, he is just so impressive. But what he did again last time out is he just, he shut me up. And then I just, I still don't know if he wants to go this far and if he can sit off the pace. Last out, smooth start. He was right with the leaders, but he sat third. He was just about a half length behind the top two. He was never more than a length behind. He moved up three deep of four. He floated four wide at the top of the lane. He drew off late. It was solid. He proved he can come from off the pace a bit, but now he has to go a mile for the first time. And he has to face the best field he's ever faced at a track he's never been. I just don't know if he's up to that task. Thunder Snow. Not a typo. Thunder Snow has earned $16 million plus. Look at his last eight dirt races. He has been in the Dubai World Cup twice. He's won that twice. He was third in the Breeders' Cup Classic and he was second in the Jockey Club Gold Club. He's a seven-time group stakes winner, four group ones, two on the dirt, two on the turf. When he won the Dubai World Cup for the second time last out, he just had a beautiful second early. He waited patiently in between horses. He was never more than two behind, kind of dropped back a little bit. He angled out three deep in the stretch. It took the stretch for him to get by Gronkowski, and he just got by him with a nose margin. Thunder Snow is just... Yeah, just look at those last toss the grass races recently, and he's just been really good on the dirt. He's so tough to knock, and he's a major player in here. I haven't picked fourth. Tale of Silence won't spend a lot of time. Just seems a little bit overmatched. He's a Grade Three winner, but this is just a tough, tough group, and I can't, I can't see him really contending with the top ones. Promises fulfilled, very quick. Grade One winner, four time graded stakes winner. He was never able to get the lead in Dubai or get close enough to the pace where he's able. To succeed So I think you can excuse that race Last out He's right on the lead He's battling with Bobby's Wicked One He moves up into the two path He went a bit wide On the turn And he was in between Matoli and Bobby He came back on again late It wasn't bad He was third Will he Be able to get the mile Now he is one in a mile and 16th He won the Fountain of Youth on the lead, is he going to make it tough for Matoli and some of the other speeds in here? Frenzy Fire. Three for three, perfect at Belmont. Four time graded stakes winner, grade one winner. He's capable of big enough efforts to win this, especially at Belmont. You see, he doesn't really have back to back huge races, although, you know, the Dwyer and the Jerkins, I thought he ran pretty well back to back in those two. But he doesn't really have back to back races at Belmont, and this is his obvious favorite track. He broke in, but he was okay. We're talking back on March the 31st. This is the race that I was kind of head-scratched about a little bit. He was made a four-wide early bid, but he was just very flat. It was not much. It was an ant third, but it was just his first start in five months. He comes back in a small stakes at Belmont. He gets the lead early. He takes back to third in on the inside. He's tucked in. He's waiting for an opening. He angles around three deep. It's a big win. 
I mean, this guy just loves Belmont, and I'm going to put him on top with the, the versatility. Gets back to a mile. Good from six furlongs to a mile. This is his trip. I think at four to one, he is the top selection, and we'll put him on top slightly just based on the price. How about Pavel? This is a three-time winner, but $1.98 million. He's another one who's run in some big races. The Breeders' Cup Classic twice, the Dubai World Cup twice, the Jockey Club Gold Cup, the Malibu, the Gold Cup, Santa Anita, the Pacific Classic, the Champions Cup, Stephen Foster winner, graded, multiple graded stakes winner, grade one winner. His only try at Belmont, it was a big third in the Grade 1 Jockey Club Gold Cup in 2017. This is just a much tougher field than that. He's going to have to get by Thunder Snow, McKinsey, who he's been behind a few times. I just think he's in a little too tough here. Prince Lucky to round things out. If you're looking for the price of the horse, the price of the race to use, I think it's Prince Lucky. I think he's the price horse. He doesn't like the slop. So if it's raining, pouring, put a line through. February the 23rd. He sat chilly. He was three deep. He always looked like a winner. He crushed Quip. And Quip came back to win the grade two Oakland handicap. On March the 30th, he sat third. He was just behind. He was tucked in. He had an opening. He pushed through it. He took the lead. No knocks. He was very impressive that day. And I think you can excuse his last start in the Westchester. He has a nice style. He can sit close. He has speed. Doesn't really need to be right on the lead. I don't think he wants to be too far out of it. If he's in double digits, he's worth including in your exotics and he's worth playing. So we have the, the ninth race, 7-2-9-4 in this race with Frenzy Fire over McKinsey, over the nine, Prince Lucky, over the four, Thunder Snow. Let's move on to the tenth race. Really like to start with the Raging Bull in here, and this is the horse who uh, we'll have on top. It's a job. What I like right away, you can tell. I think Chad Brown's trying to make some moves to to get some improvement from Raging Bull. Adds the blinkers, jock switch, third start off the bench. Every right to improve off here. He's a Grade One winner. He's a multiple graded stakes winner. Last out, he was taken back from the inside. He was saving ground mid pack. He shuffled back and he lost a few lengths. He. He wanted to get outside. He ran well late. He was chasing slow fractions. I think the blinkers on will get him involved a little bit closer. Doesn't have to be like on the lead, but just a little bit more focused too. He was a bit lazy. I'm expecting him to be closer, a little more aggressive, a little more forwardly placed. Top selection. And we'll make him a nice win wager at six to one or over. The two. Seems to be a bit overmatched in here. He is a grade three winner. He stole a grade three at Arlington Park on the front end. He actually ran pretty well when he was put up to third in the Arlington Million. But he hasn't raced since August. So I'm just going to give him a start. I need to see more. Robert Bruce is the three. His first couple starts coming into the Chad Brown Barn and coming into the U.S. were good. But he's tailed off a bit since. I think he needs a firm turf course. Let's go back to May the 4th. He had a good start. He was right on the lead from the inside. He took back a bit to second. He adds the lead in the stretch, but he just never really looked comfortable. All race, he's kind of hard ridden. He's not really seeming to, to love the 
the ground. He's much better on firm turf. Not really high on him in here. Kerbon didn't love him last time out, but he ran so well, right? He, he got himself into a nice stalking spot. He was fourth. He was tucked inside. He was within a couple lengths. He waited. He angled around three deep with dead aim. He had to lead 50 yards from home. He was a really good second. He never runs a bad race, and he's proved he belongs with grade one company. But now he has to prove it at the mile and a quarter. Can he prove it at a distance, you know, farther than he's shown success at? Kurban, wouldn't talk you off under. I'm only going to mention two horses in this race to use in some of the multi-race exotics and uh, and Raging Bull as a, as the one to win at 6-1 to one or over. Channel Cat is the five. And you're going to go second off a seven-plus month layoff on May the 4th. He's had a nice third. He was not even two lengths off. You know, he's in the two path. He's just outside of Robert Bruce. He kept trying hard. He was not far out of second. But the wide trip really did him in when he finished fourth behind Olympico. What I like about Channel Cat wins at a mile, mile and a 16th, mile and a five, mile and a five sixteenth, and a mile and a half. Pretty versatile. Another kind of underneath horse that I really wouldn't tuck you off. Not sure if he's quite good enough. Bandua, 0 for the last six in races that were not as tough as this. So we'll just kind of quickly pass on Bandua. Olympico. It's the seven. A slow start, but he got over. He was saving ground at the back of the pack. He ducked to the inside at the top of the lane. He moved in between horses and, you know, he crushed. He was geared down late. He was an 18 to 1 winner that won like a 1 to 5 shot. It was one of three Chad Browns in that race, and he was 18 to 1. It was first time Chad Brown, first time U.S. How's he 18 to 1? That's what we all say when we look back, right? But he's one of three Browns. He's one of four Chad Browns in this race today. It's amazing that Chad can get a horse like this to come over and win off, you know, okay form. It wasn't great. When we saw him racing in, in France, okay, not at like top, top levels. Comes over here, wins the greatest stakes right away. Then you have another Brown, likely the best turf horse in training right now and the heavy deserving favorite, Bricks and Mortar, who's looking for his fifth win in a row. He has two losses and in those in, in 10 starts, and in those two losses, he was beaten three quarters of a length and three quarters of a length. He has some versatility too, right? If they're going really slow, he can sit a little closer. Last out, he was... Eighth, ninth, he was about four or five lengths off though. He's in between horses. He angled out four deep down the center of the racetrack. Just a huge late kick. And he's even wrapped up late, winning that grade one. Epical is the nine. He was sitting second behind a runoff leader, hunting horn. Never really made up any ground. He just kind of ran around in a circle. He needs to improve off of that effort. Sometimes you can excuse races like that with the runoff because it's not a, a typical pace and horses kind of get a little confused. And a horse like that runs off and they're sitting in the middle of the pack. And then we have Channel Maker to close things out. He's a multiple grade one winner. He's coming up on $2 million in earnings. He would be no shock. It's just kind of like others more in here, right? He waited in third. He was seven off. He was three behind Epical. And he looked like Hunting Horn for a second was starting to get away and had a shot to steal the race. But then Channel Maker makes up like five plus lengths in the stretch. Gets by, holds off two other challenges late, wins by a neck. It was good. Everything went his way. He kind of fell perfectly into it and held off. And I don't envision that happening again with a couple other tough animals in here. 
So in this 10th race, the one Raging Bull at 6-1, to one, Exactas with Bricks and Mortar. 1-8 and eight Exactas. And 8-1, and one, or Exacta Boxer with the two. 8-1, 1-8, 1-8, 8-1. And then we bet the one Raging Bull. Let's close things out with the Belmont. Yeah, just going to go through the uh, the first 11. So I'm not going to hit the, the two races after the Belmont. Start with Jovia from the rail. Jovia won the long branch most recently. And he was inside. He had the inside post. He got to the lead. It was just a field of four. He's in the slop. He deals with pressure to the outside. And that presser takes a bad step, loses the rider. Only three horses end up finishing in that field. Prior to that, he's well beaten in the Wood Memorial. And he caused a bunch of trouble with Tacitus and others. It's tough for me to get a gauge on how good he really is. I would upgrade him in the slop, knowing that he ran well in the slop at Monmouth Park. Still, to me, is just a, like a pace horse from the rail. Then we have Everfast, right? He was second in the Holy Bull on February the 2nd. He was eighth in the Fountain of Youth, ninth in the Florida Derby, and fifth in the Pat Day Mile, where he was 60 to 1. How is he only 29 to 1 in the Preakness? It's because people don't let horses go off at big prices in, in these races anymore. You just never see 80 or 100 to 1 shots. Horses don't ever give even above 50. And in a smaller field like the, the Preakness versus the Derby, 29 to 1 on Everfast. He wasn't even the longest shot in the field. He was way out of it. 22 plus lengths. He's last, He's second last. He's staying inside. Saves all the ground on that golden rail on the undercard. He moves in between horses. The golden on the on Pimlico Day. There's this golden rail we saw all day on the undercard. We saw it again in the pre, in the Preakness with War of Will with Everfast. So he saves all the ground inside. Moves in between horses, but then he goes right back to the inside. He closes well. He just grabs second. I'm gonna make him prove it. You know, he comes from 22 back, and he's on that golden rail. War of will. He's honest, man. He's fighting the big fight again. The only one who is going to go through. Actually, why am I... we're going to war of will? Yeah, let's go to Master Fencer first. I'm looking at some of my old notes, so let's just stay in order, and I don't want to confuse all of you. Sorry, folks. Let's go to Master Fencer first. The three. I liked what I saw from him in the Derby. He got slammed hard early on, but he was able to get to the rail. He was dead last at the top of the lane. He stays inside. He really ran on well in the derby. He almost crosses the wire fourth. It was solid. No knocks. Now he's had lots more time to get acclimated to the U.S. Keeneland, he was training now at Belmont. But he stumbled into work and has an inflamed ankle. Since then, everything's been okay. I just, I don't love when a horse coming comes into the race with some kind of issues like that. I'm going to put him fifth in the way that I picked this race, and I will use him in some exotics, and if he's 10 to 1, that that makes sense. Where he should be, you know, no less than 6, 10 to 1, what I would like. Especially with that little hiccup recently. Master Fencer. Let's go to Tax. Another one who had some issues recently, and you just don't want to hear that when it comes to a big race like the Belmont. The trainer... Didn't seem to love what he was doing. And I quote, Worked good, but it wasn't awesome on June the 1st. Is that what you want to hear coming into the Belmont? In the Derby, Tax broke a bit with the... He broke out a bit, a little bit of bumping early on. He stayed inside. He was 10th mid-pack. 
about six lengths off. He was traveling well behind horses. Once horses started to tire and back up, he had some trouble. He was kind of in tight quarters as they started to back up. It wasn't a bad effort. He actually has run very well in New York at Aqueduct. He's a grade three winner, multiple graded stakes placed. But I don't like that. And that was his grindy kind of style. He could sit close and keep grinding. But I've kind of downgraded him now after hearing about that work. Bourbon War was the top selection in the Preakness. He did not run well with the blinkers on. He now takes the blinkers off. He picks up Mike Smith. I'm treating his last race like a toss. He, he's saving ground on the golden rail. He just never seemed comfortable with the blinkers. He angled off the rail. He just had nothing. Prior to that, he's a big contender. He's only, you know, five to one in the Preakness, just over five to one. I'll have him picked fourth in here. And I will use him in all the exotics because I just don't think he's as bad as he showed last time out. I think you're going to get a better effort from him. The top selection will be spinoff. I like his last... Really, I even liked his derby. I liked his Louisiana derby and then I liked his Kentucky derby. I'll tell you why. In the derby, he breaks well. He's hustled along. He's up to fifth. He's within a few lengths and he's in the clear. He's in a good spot. He ends up getting forced out a little bit to the five path as some of the horses start to to stack up on the inside. And so he's all in early on. In the Louisiana Derby, he's three deep into the first turn. He sits third. He's just a few lengths off. He's behind the top two battling it out. He moves up to contend without being asked. He opens up a length mid-stretch. He keeps trying. He's a clear-cut second that day. And look at some of the horses who he finished in front of. Country House was fourth. He comes back to win the Derby. War of Will is ninth. He comes back to win the Preakness. Spin off. Top selection. Should sit a good trip. Yeah, maybe he can't get the mile and a half. I don't know how many of these horses get the mile and a half, but he fits the, the profile of some of the horses who have been sitting in that spot in years past. And I just like with, with Javi aboard, I think you could get 12 to 1 or so. And that's a, a, a very nice win wager at anything over 10 to 1 on spin off for me. Seven is Sir Winston. He kind of feels like the wise guy horse. In the Peter Pan, it was just a field of five. He was last away slowly. He was about 10, 11 lengths off. He angles out at the top of the lane. He, he closes well. He's chasing Global Campaign, who sits second and who gets the jump. Does the late runner always pan out getting a little more distance, though? In fact, it usually doesn't. It's usually the horse who's able to sit closer, get a jump, kind of get a tactical edge on the group. So I'm a, I'm a little bit against Sir Winston in the top few spots. Wouldn't wouldn't talk you off him in like three four spots. And he he was right in front of and you know five lengths in front of Intrepid Heart, who was fourth of five inside early. A stumble at the start and that might have cost him. Maybe you know you can excuse his start because the stumble at the start and he he wasn't able to you know sit as close as he would like. And now they they had the blinkers. Maybe they want to get him a little closer. It did take him a bit to get going. He never threatened. Sir Winston ran right by him. He just passed some tired horses. Did Intrepid Heart. His start wasn't great. I just didn't feel like it was that bad. I really didn't. War of Will. The trouble in the Derby. The obvious trouble. He was impeded. The whole reason for the disqualification. And then he comes back. Redemption. In the Preakness with the victory. He sat a perfect trip. But the thing about... Or of Will as he was on that really nice rail The bias, all the inside horses On that day at Pimlico all seemed to win But he's the type of horse Who has that tactical speed To where it seems like he's Always going to work that trip out For himself It's not, not always going to 
get the dream run through on the rail as we saw in the in the derby. But he always puts himself in a good spot. He broke well from the rail. He sat nicely behind four who wanted the lead. So he just saves all the ground. He ends up tucked in, hanging, chilling. Never farther than two, three back. Stays inside, gets an opening. Easy win. Never looked like a loser, did War of Will. Let's go to close things out with the one to beat, Tacitus. Man, you just start to really look at him and, and how honest he's been. He just missed a bit in his career debut, comes back and wins. Comes back and wins the Tampa Bay Derby. Comes back and wins the Wood Memorial. And then he's good in he's good in the Derby when he's fourth and he's put up to third via DQ and he has this legitimate trouble. He's a step slow. He tries to get to the inside, but he gets stopped. He has some traffic. He's pushed back. He's around 10 off. He finds a spot in between horses. Then he gets shuffled back. He moves through. He waits. He's asked. He responds. He shoots through. He just showed so many different gears. Starting, stopping, changing courses. It was really nice. He kept trying. Looks like the one to beat in here. You know, prior to the derby... He won the Wood in the Tampa. If you're playing him just off the Derby, he's the one to beat. If you're playing him prior to the Derby, he's the one to beat off that form. Don't want to take a really short price on him, but I think he's really hard to, to exclude from all of the exotics. He took time off from the Preakness, pointing to the Belmont here. It'd be a very nice triple crown for Bill Mott. So in the Belmont, the way I have this field stacked up, the six. Spinoff on top, 10 to 1. I'll bet him to win. The 6 on top of the 10. 6, 10, 9, 5, 3. Spinoff, Tacitus, War of Will, Bourbon War, the 3, Master Fencer. Let's go through the last couple wagers for you. Win wager on Spinoff. We'll also play a trifecta there with the 6 and 10. Spinoff and Tacitus over the three, five, six, nine, ten over those five horses we mentioned. So, Spinoff, Tacitus over three, Master Fencer, five, Bourbon War, six, Spinoff, nine, War of Will, and ten, Tacitus. Pick four in the eighth race. That really tough eighth race. One ticket, I think you start and you play with all. Because it feels like you can shorten up in the next two legs, right? So one ticket, you start, you play all in race number eight in that pick four with the two and seven in race number nine. So that's McKinsey and the top selection Frenzy Fire with the one and the eight in the 10th. So the logical bricks and mortar Going to be very tough And the one Raging Bull And then to close things out With those five that we liked Three, five, six, nine, ten Another pick four approach Play this one Starting In the eighth race One, four, eight, nine So we don't go all there We just go one, four, eight, nine instead With our four top selections Two, four, seven, nine In race number nine The second leg of that pick four sequence Two, four, Seven, nine, McKinsey, Thunder Snow, Frenzy Fire, and Prince Lucky. One and eight, same two. Those are the only two we're going to use in any exotics Raging Bull and Bricks and Mortar. 
in that spot. I've, bricks and mortar are just so tough. And then I think Raging Bull is the one to try to take a shot against him. Close things out in this spot. We'll go 5, 6, 9, 10. So we'll use those top four that we like with Bourbon War, Spinoff, War of Will, and Tacitus to round things out. If you can, folks, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, leave a nice little five-star rating and review. When you subscribe, you'll get every episode of That's What G Said sent right to you over on YouTube. You can always listen as well. Best of luck. Hope you make a lot of money. And, you know, win or lose, remember, it's about the process. So try to make the, the best, the smartest wagers that you can. And I will have a nice little recap of the weekend, but you probably won't hear another episode of That's What G Said till next week. I think you had plenty with these uh, these Belmont Friday and Saturday previews. So, whew, it is about 5.30 a.m. as I'm finishing this up. Time for me to get a little uh, bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit from McDonald's as we edit this. Let's hand it over to my good friend, Joey Cleveland.